News Talk 1110-993-WBT. She totally does look like Peppermint Patty. Oh, all right. Um, so I was talking about the best cities to date in. Not that I date, but um, happily married and everything. But uh, I just saw this in the reaction from the people inside D.C. They're just scoffing, scoff, scoff, scoff uh, at Washington, D.C. being listed as the best uh, cities for singles. Um, it's put out by Apartment List. And uh, this is, you, I'll tell you the top 20. Oh, and two North Carolina cities are in the top 20. Take a guess which ones they are. So here is the top 10. Number one, Washington, D.C. Number two, Boston, Texas. Number three, Atlanta, Georgia. Number four, Minneapolis. Number five, Pittsburgh. Again, I have the same question did- regarding Pittsburgh as I did with Boston. How do people even go on dates because you have to date somebody from Pittsburgh? <clears throat> I'm kidding. It's a joke. Kind of. Why didn't you go 10 to 1? 10 why to 1? You, why didn't you build it up? I already told people what number one was. <laughs> so uh, we're just running down the list. Washington, Boston, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Richmond, Virginia. Well, that's where, hey, that's where our corporate headquarters are. Yeah, uh-huh. I love Richmond. Yeah, uh, Exactly. Austin, Texas, Denver, Chicago, Seattle. Just taking a look here. Is is there a single Republican-controlled city on that list? No. I don't think so. Um, Let me skip here. I don't care why you picked them. I just care about the list. Let me get to the other. Here we go. Number 11, San Francisco. This is a terrible list. San Francisco is number 11. Do you know how much poop is in the streets of San Francisco? Kind of ruins the whole romance of the... Okay. Number 12 is Raleigh. Raleigh. When I think romance, I think Raleigh. Best dating. 12th best dating city. 13, Salt Lake City. Now that one actually... That actually should be number one. If I know anything about Utah, which I don't. For a certain reason. <laughs> I think Utah, seen every. I think the top 20 should just be every city in Utah, right? Again, from what I know about Utah, you're literally, which I don't know anything about Utah, except playing. what I've seen on Big Love, the TV show, <laughs> I think Utah would probably have all of the top 20. For playing the field? I mean, it's dating. <laughs> it's dating. Well, that leads to marriage, Right. I guess you're continuing it. Yeah, I mean, what am I missing here? And even after you've been married, it doesn't stop you from dating. So, oh, that's why Washington is number one. Oh, I've been thinking about it all wrong. No wonder Washington, D.C. is number one. People got married, but they still keep dating. Oh, this makes sense now. Gosh, it was so obvious. It plum evaded me. New Orleans, number 14, followed by... Columbus, Ohio, right? Yeah, Columbus. Dallas, Texas, Long Beach, California, and coming in at number 18 on the list, Charlotte. It's got a lot, Charlotte. And then Houston, and then St. Paul, Minnesota. You know what's surprising here? Nowhere in Florida. How is that possible? How is it possible that Florida is not does not have a single city listed in the top 20 when it comes to dating? 
this is the place where every college kid goes at least once a year for one week to hook up and drink too much. Why would Florida not have one city on this list just for the one week? Like that one week should put, I mean, that should put you on the list at some high level, I would think. So are we equating dating to actually hooking up with someone? Yeah, all of it. It's, I mean, you can go, I mean, it's just, you I mean, know. Isn't the date kind of like the agreed upon thing of like actually going out with someone? I mean, instead of just like, I, when, I, when I'm thinking of the scenario that you're that Well, you're you had to have gone out with them in order to, to meet them. Aren't you just meeting them at a bar like randomly? Yeah, and I, then, and like, I don't consider that the date. I, that's, I think that's the date the has to be agreed upon like no. for, for the second visit. No. That's a date. It's all a date. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I mean, you're. I mean, you're there for a week, and you're. You, you. You. I mean, unless you're just going out to a bar every single night, hooking up with somebody else. I think that's what. I don't think that. No. Have you ever been down there? Yeah. For, right. Is that does that happen or no? Is it like you kind of find uh, you find a group of people and you kind of hang out with them a little bit for like the first night and then you start the hookups. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's some dating that occurs there. And then once you see if you meet them at any point before you hook up, right? Like you're kind of sober, then every subsequent hookup counts as a date. That's the criteria? I believe so. <laughs> For my list it would be. Florida, but here here's the thing. Florida deserves. I mean, you can't have that many colleges down there too. They have so many colleges where all they do is party, drink and watch football. How is that possible? That they're not. How are not all the college towns number one? I'm actually shocked. Like you mentioned, Columbus. Like Columbus makes sense because of Ohio State, but I'm I'm actually shocked that there's not a lot more college towns on that list. Yeah, right. So like Washington D.C. makes sense because everybody's like a a sociopath and cheating on their spouses. So like that makes sense for Washington. Why they would be number one? Everyone's still dating even though they're married. But what is all this? Oh my goodness! I've all right. Yeah. So, but the the other ones, Boston, I guess they have a college there. Atlanta's got a few, and maybe that's what's happening. But I mean, Pittsburgh, all, all those all those Georgia Tech kids. You know what's you know why Pittsburgh is on this list too. You know why? This is us. That show. This is us. That's why Pittsburgh's on this list. There's no other explanation for it. People have got this romanticized idea that they're going to find the the perfect uh, storybook. Uh, love story for themselves, just like in that show, and so they're they're going to Pittsburgh. It's in, the, in Pittsburgh, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's where the show was originally. So, I mean, they, the the family then moves in different places. Don't ask how I know this, but the uh, <laughs> they live in different places. But Pittsburgh, it centers around Pittsburgh. So uh, when they have their when the it doesn't matter. I think that's what's driving that. Richmond, I do not know, unless maybe wasn't that wait? No, that was Charlottesville. I was thinking, like, all the protests and everything that happened. Like, did a bunch of people just, like, stay after that? Austin makes sense on that list. Because Austin's capital city, cool town, right? Makes sense. A lot of people. Artsy. Very hot. I just think hot equals better dating. I don't know why. Probably because it's hot. People, right? Yeah, less less clothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like, you, there, are, there are connections... With, which is what, yeah, with, which is uh, what? with the tire and temperature and birth rates. Which is why I was skeptical of the Minneapolis thing. And, like, St. Paul's on there, too. Like, yeah, no. It's, it's rigged. It's rigged. We need a, uh, we're going to need an audit of. 
of this result. All right, so the, Charlotte's on the list, in case anybody cares. We're number 18, so you can use that one at the uh, at the bar tonight. Yeah. Hey, you know, we are number 18 on the dating list, in case you care. I don't think we're very good on the traffic list uh, when it comes to congestion. Do you know how bad we rank? Have you ever seen anything no. like that? Or are you just like, are you just in the moment for traffic? In the moment right yeah. now. <laughs> I haven't seen any stats on that. Yeah. Not like the dating list there. No. It's vital information that you only get here. And no Florida. No Florida. Doesn't make list. sense. You got some Florida roots, don't yes, you? Yes, sir. My son went to Florida State. There you, well, that's I what did. I was thinking, Florida State. Like, isn't that yeah. kind of like dating center of the world? Dating or mating. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of that, I'm telling you. But, true. No, but I can't believe I didn't make the list, man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy in that state, man. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, that's News Talk 1110-993-WBT. No, I did not plan to talk about the dating list for the show. It just, this is what happens when I'm, you know, you're on air and, you know, when news breaks out, like I, I, I break in, I'm all over it. I got to, I got to bring the news to the people. Uh, this is why, by the way, I, I close out all the shows by telling people not to break anything. Because if I'm not here, then how will you know this stuff happen, right? And I don't want to have to come back into work if it's, Really big. So uh, let me get to this story because I mentioned this earlier and I kind of got sidetracked. My own fault. But uh, there are several stories that are now starting to really spell out for people because of the indictment of this uh, Sussman fella. Uh, We're now starting to get some meat on the bones and some real clarity uh, about how involved Democrats and uh, the intelligence community these oppo research firms, uh, the, uh, uh, the the law firm, Perkins Coie, and Mark Elias, the very guy, by the way, Mark Elias has represented our governor, Roy Cooper. He represented Cooper in his uh, in the recount fight with Pat McCrory. He has represented a whole host of Democrats and affiliated organizations in North Carolina in their uh, mountains of lawsuits they have filed. And Mark Elias is uh, is part of this story. So let's get to it. Hillary Clinton operatives perpetrated a massive Russia collusion fraud on the American public, which not only manipulated the 2016 election process, but also froze the Trump presidency and nearly paralyzed the nation politically for years. Michael Sussman got indicted. He is Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman. This indictment was an important lawyer at an important Democrat uh, operative law firm. And for a lot of people, myself included, this is William Jacobson writing at Legal Insurrection, but I feel this way as well, was that when I saw this indictment come down, I thought, that's it? This is the big indictment? But here's the thing. Jacobson goes on to say that the 27-page indictment is a wealth of information and hopefully a roadmap to wider and more substantial prosecutions. What the indictment demonstrates is that the Russia collusion claim leveled against Donald Trump and the Trump campaign was a fabrication of Hillary Clinton operatives who peddled the fraud to the media and to the FBI, allowing Clinton to use the media reports in the campaign against Trump. This is when when you hear me talk about laundering a story. This is how you do it. And this you're going to get two examples in the Russia collusion hoax of of laundering. 
And one, which I think most Republicans and people who listen to talk radio are already aware of, is the Jim Comey meeting with Donald Trump, where he told them about the existence of the P tape that didn't exist, right? Just want to let you know there's some rumor out there about this P tape and whatever. And then he immediately, the nature of that conversation is then divulged to the press, which is then the way that the press can report it. Because if it's just a salacious rumor that nobody can prove because it wasn't true, then you can't really run with that and consider yourself to be a legitimate journalist or a news organization. So they had to launder it. And that's how you launder it is you have the head of the FBI go and tell the president, hey, there's this rumor out there. And now the meeting becomes the news hook that lets you into the story. Right. So that's one example. And that that's part of this. Russia collusion hoax as well. Let me go over to Andrew McCarthy's piece at National Review titled The Real Story in Durham's Indictment of Democrat Lawyer Michael Sussman. There's a long game and a short game, he says. Uh, So the short of it is that a false statement was allegedly made by Sussman to the FBI's general counsel at the time, a fellow by the name of James Baker. This was done on September 19th, 2016. In federal law, if you make a false statement to uh, you know to the FBI, that has a five-year statute of limitations on it, and so the clock was running. September nineteenth, twenty sixteen, plus five years puts it at September nineteenth now, right? So Durham had to do something if he was going to indict Sussman on this charge. It had to be now. And what McCarthy says is that even if Durham would have preferred to wait until the full investigation was done before filing all of his indictments. If he had delayed, he would have lost what appears to be a really provable felony charge, right? So if he, if he was going to do it, he had to do it now or never. So that's the, that was the short game. What's the long game? This is the rest of the piece that, uh, that McCarthy writes. He says, first, it's unusual for a one-count false statement charge. You can make that in one paragraph, yet uh, what Durham did is made it in a 27-page speaking indictment. That is a very lengthy thing to do. It's unusual for a one-count false statement charge. Durham wrote a highly detailed account of the facts and circumstances surrounding the false statement's charge. It's significant because it tells us more about his investigation. Here's where prosecutors, according to McCarthy, here's where they appear to be going. And McCarthy is, by the way, former U.S. attorney, I believe. So the Trump-Russia collusion narrative was essentially a fabrication of the Clinton campaign that was then peddled to the FBI, among other government agencies, but given to the FBI, sold to them, and to the media by agents of the Clinton campaign, particularly the lawyers at Perkins Coie, who concealed the fact that they were quite intentionally working on the campaign's behalf. That's where the false statement comes from, denying that this was oppo research, that he was doing this for the campaign. They did not actually believe that there was anything there, really. They didn't think there was collusion. It was serviceable as political dirt, but would not amount to anything real for criminal or national security purposes. The indictment describes the information Sussman gave to Baker... Again, Baker is the FBI general counsel. Sussman is Hillary Clinton's campaign attorney. Sussman 
gives this information to Baker, and the indictment describes the info as expert analysis, which showed a back-channel connection between the Kremlin and the Trump campaign. The back-channel was said to be established by Internet communications between servers at Trump Tower and at Alpha Bank, a top Russian bank said to have Putin regime connections. But here's the problem. Nobody believed it actually showed that. The people who did the who made the connection, the internet uh, firm that did this, they didn't believe there was there were connections there. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, reading through Andrew McCarthy's write-up about the Sussman indictment, the Russiagate collusion hoax. It's a, bit, it's a hoax, guys. It is, now, like, it is very clear what happened uh, five years ago was all an oppo research hit. It was an opposition hit done by the Hillary Clinton campaign through their law, their law firm, Perkins Coie, and this does connect to the Steele dossier as well. And so where is the accountability and the reckoning? Where, where is that? When is that going to happen? For all the folks out there, because by the way, like the majority of Democrats believe that this is still true. We're going to get a hashtag fake news slapped on every post you guys make about this stuff, or you just get to like kind of drift away and pretend that you never believed in that stuff anyway. No, you do. They still, I mean, many people still do. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, do you even, because, do you even know all the details? Does the left know these details? Um, what the, what Durham describes, John Durham in the, uh, he's the, the special prosecutor, the special counsel, whatever, and he's doing the, uh, indictments. And what he describes in the indictment confirms Many people's, in their most cynical perception, of a sinister Washington deep state. Right? This is confirmation. People, like, you can call it the bureaucracy, you can call it the, you know, like the incestuous nature of the D.C. elite, you know, these people that are married to each other and all this other stuff. But, like, it really does, there was, uh, I saw it described as, like, people could now, when Trump got elected, it was, and again, I feel the need to point this out, I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton either, but people could start to see when Trump won unexpectedly, people could start to see now sort of the outline of this thing. And you could call it the deep state. I don't particularly care for the term. I think it sounds uh, it sounds like super villainy. You know, it's 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 easily dismissible. I, I don't like it for that reason. Um, but there are obviously people who are of a like mind. This is, uh, you know, I've heard it, you know, there's a similar kind of idea with the China class. A lot of people who uh, derive direct benefit from China, so they are loath to condemn China for all sorts of their transgressions and the like. But this, this organization, loosely affiliated organization, if you will, like these folks, um, they obviously shared a common goal, and it was to, prevent Donald Trump from winning. 
and they used all of these levers at their disposal. And so what this shows is that you are confirmed in your most cynical perceptions of a sinister Washington deep state. It does exist because this is what Durham is outlining. And again, I'm not one who likes the term, I, I, but I don't know what I don't know another conclusion to draw from this indictment. See, that's why I say, like, I am able to be persuaded. And I will tell you, I am persuaded now on this. So you have this tech company and an executive who owned the company that offered domain name service resolution services or DNS resolution services. And it explains that um, it involves the business of translating recognizable internet domain names, like, for example, WBT.com, right? And uh, it'll translate that into numerical IP addresses. These private companies have arrangements with the government that provide them access to a lot of non-public information about internet traffic. The government provides this privileged access because the companies are supposed to help with cybersecurity. But the executive, Tech Executive 1, as he's listed in the um, indictment, uh, this Tech Executive 1 and the law firm Perkins Coie are said to have exploited this access for political purposes. Tech Executive 1 was having contact with Sussman and another Perkins Coie lawyer who was not identified in the indictment but appears to be Mark Elias, who's the main lawyer at the firm for Clinton and the DNC. And with what is identified as a U.S. investigative firm, that firm appears to be Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson's opposition research outfit that was retained by Perkins Coie on behalf of the Clinton campaign. Why? To conduct opposition research on Donald Trump, the exercise that resulted in the Steele dossier. In a nutshell, then, people closely connected to the Clinton campaign used this privileged access to non-public information for political purposes. They concoct it into a political narrative that they know is baseless, but here's the key. It can be convincingly spun to suggest that Trump is in cahoots with Putin. Then they simultaneously peddle the storyline to the media and the FBI. FBI opens up an investigation of Trump because the Clinton team, in this instance, Sussman, misrepresents its intentions. Sussman said, I'm just a good citizen trying to do what's right. This is definitely not opposition research that I'm laundering here. There's one last thing. Uh, Andrew McCarthy writes at National Review, among the many risable aspects of the Steele dossier is that Steele, the great Russia expert, doesn't know much about Alpha Bank, which he repeatedly misspells in the Steele dossier. One of his intelligence reports makes extravagant claims about connections and favors exchanged between the owners of Alpha Bank and Putin. Consequently, the owners now have sued Steele for libel in London. In British court, Steele got deposed, and he related that he did not know much, or actually anything, about Alpha Bank, nor its connection to Trump. So why put it in the dossier if he didn't know anything about it? Well... He was told about the alleged corrupt, uh, corrupt Alpha Bank Trump tie. Who was he told it by? Michael Sussman. This is all uncovered by Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller and Jerry Dunleavy at the Washington Examiner. They'll never get Pulitzers for this. So the Clinton lawyers at Perkins Coie give information to Steele, who folds it into the collusion tall tale that he presses on the FBI without telling the Bureau that he's working for the Clinton campaign. 
through his cutouts, Perkins Coie and Fusion GPS. Meanwhile, the Clinton lawyers are getting suspect information from that cyber executive client who's hoping for a big job in the anticipated Clinton administration. That's in the indictment, too. He was hoping to play ball with the Clintons so he could get a big gig. One of the lawyers, Sussman, then presses it onto the FBI while allegedly lying in order to conceal that he's actually working for both the Clinton campaign and that cyber company executive who's hoping for the job. Meantime, having orchestrated the creation of all this smoke, the Clinton campaign exploits it to tell the media and the American people, see, Trump is a Kremlin mole. That's how you launder the story. You put, you push the story into these areas, into the FBI, right? And you push it into the media. And when they start biting, they start nibbling. Now the Clinton campaign swoops in and says, oh, look, look, look. Look at this story that they're covering. There's obvious. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. TheGrayZone.com. Piece written by Aaron Mate. With Clinton lawyer charged, the Russiagate scam is now under indictment, he writes. The theory of a purported covert Trump Alpha Bank channel had been concocted by an unnamed tech executive positioning himself for a top cybersecurity job in what they thought was going to be the Clinton administration, right? To spread the theory to the media and the intel community, the executive of this tech company and Michael Sussman coordinated with Mark Elias, Sussman's colleague at Perkins Coie, and Sussman being the top lawyer for Clinton's campaign, right? This is the nature of where all of this began. This is the source point. Sussman and Elias then coordinated with the private intel company Fusion GPS. Elias had already hired the firm, on behalf of Clinton, to produce the Steele dossier. The collection of fabricated reports by the ex-British spy, Christopher Steele, that alleged, you know, all of this Trump-Russia conspiracy and the blackmail relationship and the P-tape at the hookers and all of that. According to Steele, it was Sussman in a July 2016 meeting who first informed him about the Alpha Bank server story. Mark Elias kept Clinton campaign members informed as well, including the campaign manager, communications director, the foreign policy advisor, in February of 2017, Sussman also met with a CIA official to push the Alpha Bank narrative. This is, there's an old story about LBJ. He was running for, I think it was his first race in Texas. I think he may have been a congressman or something. It may have even been a local race of some kind. And he said, I want to accuse my opponent of being, uh, let's just say, in a physical relationship with a pig. All right? said that's what he wanted to, he says I want to accuse him of that and his campaign manager was like we can't do that you can't go and say he's that it's not true he's like I just want to see him deny it like that's the point here the point is to throw enough stuff towards the Trump campaign that he has to deny it to get people to report it so he has to deny it and then that's the story and it sticks with a certain percentage of the population in Sussman's orbit, hiding the money trail was established Russiagate practice. His law firm, Perkins Cooley, and the Clinton campaign concealed that they had funded the Steele dossier in the first place. The, only we found that out after a subpoena from the GOP-controlled House Intelligence Committee. 
They got forced to admit it under oath in October 2017. The FBI also concealed the Steele dossier's Democrat funders from the FISA court when it used the dossier to obtain a surveillance warrant on Carter Page, who was a volunteer for the Trump campaign. And also, apparently, an asset of the CIA, which the FBI was told and then lied about knowing to the FISA court as well. The executive of the tech company took advantage of his ownership position at several companies to access public and non-public Internet data. He then had several people assist him. Their efforts yielded uh, a cache of purported DNS traffic between a Trump-adjacent Trump-adjacent marketing server and Alpha Bank in Russia. And according to John Durham, the special counsel doing the investigation, the executive's researchers expressed misgivings about the project. One team member continued to doubt that there was any sort of a conspiracy going on here between Trump and Russia. And uh, he was concerned that the project was driven not by data, but by bias against Trump. He said, quote, to suggest even a weak, a very weak association, we're going to have to expose every trick we have in our bag. That's the length that they went to to get what turned out to be, you know, fabricated, just false, flimsy information. At one point, the executive himself even admitted that the Trump Alpha Bank traffic was not a secret channel, but in fact was a red herring. The FBI would ultimately reach the same red herring conclusion that the executive had concealed. Alpha Bank, so they knew it was they knew it was a lie. They knew it wasn't accurate. It was not true, and they used it anyway. Alpha Bank has filed suit now against the computer researchers for libel. Right? The FBI's investigation of the Alpha Bank theory proved to be just as fruitless as every other fabricated Trump Russia conspiracy theory that got chased down by U.S. intel officials congressional committees, and media outlets for more than three years. But Michael Sussman's effort ultimately served its purpose. The FBI meeting gave journalists a news hook to publish the Alpha Bank allegations just days before the November election. Just like Jim Comey's meeting, that was the hook. At some point, You folks in the media need to recognize that you are being played and you're being played by people who recognize that your uh, your political sympathies blind you to their motives and their machinations. The DNC funded Steele dossier would see a similar entry into public consciousness with the Jim Cody uh, Jim Comey meeting on October 31st slate as well as the New York Times published stories about the Alpha Bank secret channel. The Times story revealed that Trump campaign associates, as well as the Alpha Bank theory, was the subject of an FBI investigation. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. And then the Clinton campaign immediately promoted the story as part of its public campaign to portray Trump as a Kremlin stooge. And then Hillary Clinton announced on Twitter, quote, it's time for Trump to answer serious questions about his ties to Russia. And they knew it was all a lie. That they fed. It was a lie that they fed these outlets. Comparing the indictment's details to the way journalists spun the Clinton Field Alpha Bank narrative offers a window into how the media enabled the scam. Aaron Mate writing again. This is at thegrayzone.com. It's a very lengthy piece. I've just given you the highlights here. He concludes by saying, as we will turn to in the second part of this report coming up later, 
Sussman's role in the Alpha Bank fabrication raises new questions about the allegation at the heart of the Trump-Russia scandal, which is what? It's the claim that Russia stole the emails from the Democratic Party and gave them to WikiLeaks as part of a covert operation to help Trump's campaign. Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, still believe this to be true today. They still believe it to be true that Russia hacked the DNC in order to help Donald Trump. This allegation was generated by a different private firm called CrowdStrike, which, like Fusion GPS, was also hired by Perkins Coie and specifically Michael Sussman. This is where the Durham investigation seems to be leading. Where I'm leading is to the weekend. Have a good one. Brett Winterville is up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.